Our campaign that we're picking back up again today is called the Irresistible Gospel. Last week we took a pause on our campaign and we're to have a welcome Sunday where I talk a little bit about our uh, mission statement as a church and why we're doing it. That last great, but picking back up, the Irresistible Gospel, our campaign is all about looking at how just glorious and he's going to control his slides. The gospel. His iPad and how amazing. Okay. We're part of this story that God is writing, that has been writing through all of history. Uh, this big story of the gospel. And it's just irresistible. When we get to the core of it, when we get to the elements of it, and when we compare with other ideas in the world, we compare with other uh, ways of living or stories that we can do ourselves as a part of, the gospel just shines through as superior every time in that way. It's absolutely glorious, it's beautiful. And it is irresistible. So much so that, as I've been saying each week, whether you're a Christian or not, you just want this story to be true because it's just so good. It's so great. It appeals to reality and it's true, and it's also so compelling. And that satisfies our deepest longings and our deepest needs. We've been talking about it through the lens of a philosophical lens. We've been talking about the lens of origin. Uh, we're talking about morality, uh, how ought we live, and how the gospel answers that question. For us, and how we violated the moral law, God's response in salvation and saving and redeeming us and making us new in Christ. We talked about God's transformation in the gospel. Life change is possible because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Uh, we've talked about, we're going to talk about destiny next week. Uh, we talked about uh, meaning, our big picture purpose a couple of weeks ago. And in that sermon, I, I told you how important it is that we keep our big picture purpose in mind. Uh, but how it can be a struggle in the day to day to live in this purpose. I think we should think about this more in our day to day, but I get it. There's a lot of layers between why do I go to work and this, right? Or is my son shadow why do I take a shower? <laughs> There's a lot of layers uh, between why take a shower. And to glorify God. But it's there, right? So we have to keep this big picture purpose in mind because with this big picture purpose of knowing God, loving God, living with God, and glorifying God, we all have purpose. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you're capable of or not capable of, regardless of your skills, your talents, your abilities, you have purpose. Because you can know God, love God, live with Him, and glorify Him, regardless of your life circumstances. Whether everything is going according to plan or not, for you, right? You can still have purpose. And you can still have meaning. And this is just a beautiful, irresistible truth in the gospel. That no matter who you are, no matter how your life is going, you have purpose. You wake up every morning with a deep sense of ultimate purpose. Okay, but again, this is, we don't live in this in the day to day. Again, we don't ask why we take a shower to go you get there if you keep asking questions and peeling back the layers. Eventually, you'll get to that core purpose. But uh, that's not usually your first question. Um, so today, what I want to do is talk about some of those more peripheral layers of purpose and meaning that I think we need to live in in the day to day. The regular questions that we should be asking ourselves throughout our day. A couple weeks ago, as the been doing this campaign, we're comparing it to other ideas, right? to other ways of living, other stories that we can do ourselves as a part of, apart from the gospel, 
reject the gospel, like our, if you view macro scale, like our cultural movement as uh, people living in 2023 and growing from Wisconsin, uh, our culture is moving, uh, post-Christian culture is moving away from the gospel, and so a lot of a lot of young folks today, but as the culture shifts and moves, like we have this mentality towards Christianity, I've been there, done that, right? And so as people are searching for meaning in life, we're not looking to Christianity for it, instead they're looking elsewhere. And I gave a couple of more common answers that folks look for in meaning, the need to bring meaning to their life outside of Christianity. We talked about nihilism, genetic reproduction, those things. But we're not going to those again today. Instead, I want to spend time on the more common ones of uh, self-determined purpose. And how folks tend to find their purpose in happiness, achievement, and love. And those things are self-determined in them. And I want to be, I want to be sure to emphasize this again and again. Okay? Those are not sufficient in and of themselves to define your ultimate purpose. But they are layers in our purpose. And what I want to make a case for today is that we can live in those layers day to day of love, achievement, and happiness. Ultimately knowing that this is our purpose, but in our day to day, we tend to live in the layers of achievement, happiness, and love. So, how do we live a life of purpose in our day to day? One is experience joy. Now, you notice I switched the word. Okay, the. Uh, from happiness, as the secular culture would define a purpose in life that's self-determined to be, do what makes you happy, right? We hear that all the time. The New Testament translators, those who translated New Testament scholars, they don't have a Greek word that translates nicely into happiness. Instead, they tend to translate the Greek word kara uh, to joy, meaning a state of gladness. Very similar to happiness. More words are but they tend to define it as joy instead. And so I switched the word that we would experience joy. Jesus says in John 15 in his farewell discourse, I've told you this, you've been teaching them, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We talked about this a few weeks ago as well, but I just want to forget it's so good. This is great. Jesus wants to give his disciples joy. How cool is that? And not just any joy, not joy you find in, rooted in yourself, but it's rooted in Jesus. Right? It's his joy that he gives his disciples. And he wants to give us complete joy, fullness of joy. In Psalm 16, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. We'll get to that in the psalm. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, So we see in the Christian life, we can experience joy. Now, that's one word, Sarah, one word, the Greek word for joy. Another term that kind of gets at this idea, again, we referenced this a few weeks ago, John and Matthew, uh, chapter 5. And this is a common Old Testament formula of wisdom literature construction. Blessed are. We find the Psalms beginning with this. The first word of the Psalms is, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. What this term is doing, and what Jesus is picking up here from the Hebrew wisdom literature, is 
The idea behind being happy and joyful is living this idea of blessed life and death. So those, those two are completely intertwined in the Hebrew mind, Jewish mind, and in the Christian mind. Those ideas are intertwined. Here's what it looks like to live a life of joy. It's intertwined with God and the blessed life. But then how Jesus defines the blessed life is completely different than how any of us naturally would define the blessed life. He defines it in the Beatitudes. And it's not what we would think, right? It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Some, some would translate this word blessed as like happy are. This idea of living a life of joy. Jesus says, blessed are those who know are those who are Blessed are the meek. Anyone that like Those are not how we would define a life of happiness and joy. What Jesus is getting at here is this joy that we can live in, that we can experience in Him. It's so much deeper than being dependent on our circumstances. Because how the world defines joy is when everything is going right for me, I can be happy. I need all of these external circumstances to work out the way I want it for me to experience it. And when they're not, I'm not living in my purpose. Inevitably, all of us will walk through this point. But according to Jesus, and why the gospel is so universal, is that even when the external circumstances of life are challenging, difficult, we can still experience the joy of being with our blessed life. Deeper than just a momentary experience of happiness, living for that next pleasure. Living more profound, living more lasting, living from the source and motivated. Next, we can do God's will. Do God's will. This is contrasting with our accomplishment or achievement purpose that the world would often self-define as find what you're driven towards and go get it, right? This like self-help, leadership-driven mentality of go accomplish it. Decide what you want and get it, right? That's like the world's idea of it. The Christian idea is God's will. That's way different. Way different. We can think of this in a lot of different ways. It's such a big category. Um, but primarily, what we want to think of doing God's will in is what God is doing in us. And we talked about this two weeks ago, the transformation thing, about how God is formally born again to Christ. We think about the fruit of the Spirit, when we think about a lot of the Sermon on the Mount, it's all about like, who we're becoming. The Lord said, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, but it's who you become. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Love that quote. But still, what you do is important. I've been talking a lot in the last couple of years about who we're becoming. Um, it's merely a point of emphasis, okay? Because we need to first become, and at the same time as we're doing, become the people God wants us to become. Focus on character, inner growth, 
and not just what we're doing for God, just put an emphasis, God still does want us to do things for him, okay? All the while becoming the people that he wants us to be, his old family. But we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, all right, for we are God's handiwork at the end of this beautiful description of the gospel and how God has saved us and redeemed us from our sins. For we are God's handiwork. It's all work of God in us. God has changed us. God has made us new. We are new creations in Christ, created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works, it says. Now, this good works is... Most likely, everything that Paul talks about at the end of this letter, in Ephesians 4 through 6, he talks about a ton of stuff. <laughs> this is where he gets to the practical things that he wants the church in Ephesians to do. He does the same thing in the book of Romans, right? Lots of theology through chapter 11, and then it's a few chapters of now here's what we do because of that theology. Ephesians is like a shorter one. Uh, first three chapters is here's the theology. Chapter 4 through 6. Now, because of that, here's how you should live. And what we like to do in the Western world is skip the theology part and miss that it's all about God transforming our inner life and making us new first. And then we can do the good things that God calls us to. But I'll get on that stuff off right now. Okay. What he calls us to in the good works that he's talking about in uh, chapters 4 through 6 are things like unity in the church. United together as one body, instead of one Lord, one spirit. The structure of the church talks about how God has gifted believers in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So, how should we be doing this work of ministry together in the church? How is to speak the truth in love? Which is a very good work that we all need to <laughs> do more of, right? Very difficult to do. Yeah. And I talk about Christian households. Walking in love, character, moral formation, it's everything, right? It's everything in Christian life. Like, how do we do good works for God? God is calling us to do things in the community. But again, cannot miss this. This is, this is Paul's emphasis here, right? For we are God's handiwork. We've been created in Christ new to do these good works, so it's only possible because we've been made new. Okay? And even the good works, God prepared in advance for us to do them. This is all God's thing, right? And as we're going to see, when we talk about achievement and purpose, we have to keep this in mind. Okay? Because we get way out in front of God. And we try to do our own thing. George McDonald has said, uh, he's a 19th century Scottish theologian, he said, whatever man does without God, he must either succeed miserably, or he must either fail miserably, or succeed more miserably. It's a good quote. Right? And the one that we desperately need. John 15, 16. Jesus says this, in this parable of this course, you do not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you, talking to his disciples here, so that you might go and bear fruit. Why did he choose them? Why did he appoint them as his disciples to go bear fruit? Fruit that will last, he says. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The fruit that Jesus is talking about here is kind of everything in Christian life. Here he's referencing it in answers to prayer. Uh, later he references it in answers in love, growing in love for one another. 
that God will not use will abide in him. There will be nothing apart from him, he says. So to do these good works, God made me and you the ministry of you only did what you saw the Father doing, he says. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can, he can do only what he sees the Father doing. So you know the Father does, the Son also does. That's everywhere in Jesus' ministry in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Jesus praying to, for the Father to take this cup from him, needing to take the suffering of going to the cross from him. But then he says, not my will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, if you want to live life of purpose, you have to move from my will be done to God, your will be done. And this is the question that we can ask David. This is the question that we can ask. When dilemmas come up, when decisions come up, and we're faced with one God. Lastly, we can love God and others. Now live a life of purpose, love God and others. A couple weeks ago when I talked on meaning and purpose, you may have uh, walked away thinking that I never heard somebody talk down to me. I brought the love down effect to our ultimate purpose because it's not our ultimate purpose, it's a layer in our purpose, right? But a very important layer, and one that we can live in in the day to day. How can we love God? No, this is the only verse I have here. Because it's, I mean, it's nowhere right in Scripture. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, loving people is really important. Uh, Jesus says elsewhere, the two greatest commandments to love God and love others. Right? In John 15, in the Farewell Discourse, which we've been in a lot lately, Jesus says, This is my command love each other. <laughs> it's so simple. But so hard. And it's so simple in theory, so difficult in practice. But this is just why I love it so much. Like, throughout Jesus' ministry, throughout the apostles' writings and the letters to the church, the one common theme that is, I mean, there's many common themes, but one of the most, like, they're, they're just, like, pleading with the churches. Jesus is pleading with his disciples here, like, ah, love each other. <laughs> Please. Like, this is it. Like, this is so central, so foundational to the faith. It's so simple, but when we start asking ourselves this question in the day to day, am I loving? It will resolve a lot of tensions, a lot of difficulties. You're wondering, God, how do I live a life of purpose? It's a life of love. And I think we'll just find the purpose. Okay, kind of zoom through those. I want to get to the big idea. Is live in the Spirit of God. Don't live a life of purpose, live in the Spirit of God. I'm struck, I think I woke up Saturday morning, it was Friday or Saturday morning, I don't remember. Um, so it's not in the devotional, but I recorded the devotional before I did this, so I had to do it Saturday morning. Uh, I'm struck by thinking of these three, as we've been talking about, and even our big picture purpose, how, how dependent we are on the Spirit of God to do these things. The joy, fruit of the Spirit, 
God's will, specifically what God has called you to do in his life, to live in his general will that he calls all Christians to, to love each other, and we're so dependent on the Spirit of God, do that stuff. And I think one of the biggest problems that we've had in the church is that we've been trying to do it on our own for so long. That we live in a self-sufficient world. Our consumeristic culture says, like, do it. You can do it. Just, you get enough training in this leadership content or this or that, you have the right strategy, go. You got it. And you can accomplish anything. We've all brought that message Well, the scripture message and the irresistible gospel is that we're only able to do it by the Spirit of God. And maybe it's because I just thought about it yesterday. But I couldn't come up with any language to like, articulate this better for you guys. <laughs> what does that mean? And how, do I, how do I say this in a way that you guys grasp and understand? I got nothing. Um, <laughs> it's only you have to experience, I think. But I think that's what the scripture is trying to do through story, is reveal to us, especially when we go back, because we're going to go to the thing, is through these stories, this is what it looks like. So you'll know it when you experience it. And you know that this is what's possible to live a life like this. I think we have bought into this message of the Christian life is boring. When I read the book of Acts, I'm like, it's not boring. <laughs> this is awesome. And the more and more I learn how to do this, I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm trying to live in the Spirit of God, the more and more excited about it. The more and more purpose I find in my day to day is just walking with the Spirit. And God shows up in pretty awesome ways, ways that I never expected. And it's just finding purpose and meaning. So, a couple of stories in the book of Acts. First one is around joy. Okay. Book of, again, this, this type of joy that we can experience oh, even in life. Right. So the story comes from Acts chapter 5 when the apostles are still in prison. It's not great when you're in prison. In prison back then was harder than it is today. Okay. They are set free by an angel. Um, okay. They're set free by an angel, and the angel tells them instead, they're like, as usually we think, like, okay, God busted them out. Like, we've seen the Western movies. You get busted out of jail, you get out of Dodge, and you escape. You get out of town, right? Uh, the angel tells them, like, go stand in the temple courtyard and start talking about Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah, but that's what we got put in prison for. And they do it. They're arrested. They're brought in front of the Sanhedrin. Uh, and Gamaliel, he convinces the Sanhedrin to let them go. They think about, like, how God's working in all this. Uh, a member of the Sanhedrin of Pharisee is the one who stands up and says, like, hey guys, like, remember all these other movements that sprang up? And we killed the leader. And eventually, the movement fizzled. 
If it doesn't fizzle, like it's from God, and you're going to find yourself in this And at the same time, it's proven that that movement has been resisting the work of God. Right? And Camillo is prophetic and profound among the dead. So in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, it says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Why? Because they've been counted worthy of suffering and disgrace. What? That doesn't make sense. You're rejoicing in suffering because you've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for Jesus? Don't you realize that in the Spirit of God? You can rejoice. And as Jesus says later, in the Beatitudes, Next achievement one. Next chapter 10. Peter. He's on the roof praying. He sees this vision that reveals the dietary laws of the Old Testament should not prevent him from sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. Okay, this is a big uh, barrier between the gospel, uh, preventing the gospel from moving to the Gentiles. Because if you were a Jewish believer, you couldn't go into the home of the Gentiles. If you were a Jewish believer, you couldn't invite them into your home because then you would be unclean. Because of the food that they ate, they touched certain foods, and they, yeah, there are all these dietary laws that you can do. So, figure it. Next chapter 10, Peter, he's still thinking about this vision that he had. The Spirit says to him, it says in Acts chapter 10, verses 19 to 20, the Spirit says to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So, go up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent you. Okay, so, notice the sequence of events here. He has this vision, he's thinking about it, and knowing humanity and our limitless ability to justify things to what we want to believe, Peter might not have come to the conclusion <laughs> that the Spirit was leading him to, right? And so the Spirit then says to him, Peter, uh, these three guys are coming, go with them. These three guys come, and they were sent from a Roman centurion named Cornelius, and they're inviting him to his home. And so Peter invites them into his home, but first of all, we have made the home unclean and them unclean, so that was a no-no in the Jewish culture. Then Peter goes with them, and he enters the home of the Roman centurion, who's a Gentile, in which he would have been unclean. He wouldn't have gone on this mission if it wasn't for this vision and if it wasn't for the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is leading all of us. And so when we think about accomplishment and achievement and purpose, we think about a life lived in the Spirit of God, how vitally important. Book of Acts is regularly called the Acts of the Apostles, but when you read it and you see how the Spirit of God is directing all of it, what we see is it's probably more appropriate in its terms of the Holy, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inspiring the Acts of the Apostles. Right? It's all kind of started by the Holy Spirit, and then in love in Acts chapter six, which is the Apostles of the Church, they're overseeing daily distribution of food, primarily to widows who are and we see that the dispute breaks out, and so the apostles decide that we can't, we can't commit the time to this, that, that it needs. And so they appoint seven men to oversee the distribution of food, and I think they're supposed to be full of the Spirit. So the distribution of food is an act of love. An act of love and charity and grace. And the people that they appoint, they're like, I'm not going to this, and they're like, man, if that's my criteria, 
We're overseeing a food distribution program? Does it have to be full of the Spirit? It says we need to live a life first in the Spirit of God. We're not going to move it. And that's what Jesus said. That's what I'm saying. That's our big idea. If you want to live a life of purpose, it's to live a life deeply in grace. There's so much joy to life. To leave this. To accomplish what he's calling us to do. And he produces his love for those who serve us. Lord, God, thank you for your word, for the truth, for everything. Thank you for your spirit and you've given us. The Lord, you call us to live a life of purpose in the day today. Thanks for the great purpose that we have. We may never be changed in life, but we can live a life of meaning and purpose. Who you are, who you have created us to be. Amen. All these ways. Okay, if I can summarize our big idea, it's this. To live in the Spirit of God in order to live a life of purpose. Live in the Spirit of God in order to live a life of purpose in your day-to-day. By experiencing joy, doing God's will, loving God and others. Those layers we talked about. Experiencing joy, doing God's will, loving God and others, they come from a life lived in the Spirit of God. And so we can live a life of purpose. Christians. We have so much to live for. We have so much purpose. We have so much meaning. Ultimately, and at 2 o'clock today. <laughs> In our moment by moment, day by day, let's live like it. The irresistible gospel reveals this to be true. That we have so much to live for. And the things that, those layers that we can think of in our day-to-day that bring purpose and meaning, that help us to glorify God, to live with God, to love God, to know God. Think of it in experiencing joy. Just experience joy today. Do God's will today. 
Love God, love others. There's more, right? Scripture calls us to more, but these are so important right now for us to live in. Let's go through each one of them. Well, first, again, these are lived in the Spirit of God. I don't, I don't have a formula for you for this. I, like, as I was saying, I don't think... Scripture, I don't think, gives a formula for walking in the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul, he says it in multiple different ways. In, in the section on the fruit of the Spirit, he says, walk in the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Get with God. Meet with God. Pray. Experience, know that God is with you all the time throughout your day. God's given you the Holy Spirit to live in you, to dwell in you. It dwells in us and, as believers individually and us collectively as the community. Just experience him. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but it involves prayer and it involves communing with God and recognizing that he's there. It involves listening to him and in the busyness of our day to day, trying to see what God is doing, who he's forming you into and seeing what he's moving, where he's moving around you. It's, it's an exciting life. It's fun. It's interesting. It's challenging. It's joy producing. Go ahead and be a Christian hedonist, as John Piper says. I love that term. <laughs> I experience satisfaction in God. Not as the world defines it, but in God. And in him, our desires are met and satisfied. Not only in what he gives us, but in just him, knowing who he is, being with him, loving him, glorifying him. Find your joy. Find your satisfaction in him. It doesn't mean that... As Jesus says in the Beatitudes of the blessed life, it doesn't mean that like, you're always going to be happy. It doesn't mean that you're always going to have a smile on your face. You're going to go through times of sadness, deep sadness, mourning, pain, and suffering. But in the midst of that, there's something deeper. You experience something deeper as well. And I asked Andy a moment ago if I had permission to share this, and he said yes. <laughs> that uh, Andy and Kristen recently lost their baby. Kristen was 20-some weeks pregnant. And when we went and prayed with them, I shared, shared this at the ceremony on Friday, but Andy and Kristen are doing such a good job of not, not avoiding the pain. And they know it hurts. It hurts, man. It stinks. It's terrible. But also finding hope and joy in the Lord still. Andy shared with me, like, yeah, this was unprompted, where they were just sharing how they're doing. He said, like, it hurts, but we've, we've experienced moments of joy that are so sweet. And he shared a story when they were crying, and he inhaled Kristen's hair. And... <laughs> How do you do that in a time of deep sadness and mourning? Because this is when life lived in the spirit of God. This is why the gospel is so irresistible. You're going to have times of mourning and sadness and pain, but even in the midst of that, you can experience times of joy and peace of being with God. And when we walk together in life with 
with others, we see that and we're inspired by that. And we know it to be true then that the gospel is irresistible, that Jesus' way is better, that life is not just about avoiding the hard things and pursuing happiness at all costs. Because the gospel is irresistible because Jesus is so great. And even in the midst of it, we can experience joy. When life stinks, we get moments of joy. It's just so true. It's so compelling. It's so irresistible. Next, we can do God's will. Not this self-determined purpose of find what I'm good at and what I want to do and accomplish and go get it. Like, read a bunch of leadership content and go do it. Like, that's all fine. It's all good. But like, it's ultimately rooted in God's will. Like, what is God's will for you? And this is scary and this is difficult because how do we know? Ah. You got to live in the spirit of God. <laughs> like, that's, the, that's the only answer I got for you. I don't know. But God reveals God guides, God leads when you live a life deeply with him. And he gives you purpose and he gives you meaning in pursuing God's will for your life. And God's will may not mean success as you want it or as you define it. Look at the prophets. <laughs> they failed miserably, <laughs> right? By any worldly standards. I believe it was Isaiah. God even tells him, go prophesy to these people. Essentially, he says, like, they're not going to listen to you. He says, I'm going to harden their hearts, but go do it. <laughs> like, All right. <laughs> Let's go, God. But I think you find a deep meaning and satisfaction in doing God's will. So that even when you fail according to worldly standards, you can be satisfied in accomplishing God's will because that's really your purpose. Your purpose isn't to win. However, you would define winning. Winning is doing God's will and walking with him. So stop at nothing to find what God's will is for you today. <laughs> stop at nothing to find what God's will is for you, big picture. And be patient. This is what I'm learning and I stink at, so I'm sharing it with you. Be patient. Be patient. Don't get out ahead of God. Wait. Wait on God's will. He'll reveal it in time. God is eternal. <laughs> he exists outside of time. Wait on him. We want things done now. <laughs> we live in a culture of now. We live in a culture where we can order a burger and have it ready for us in moments, right? <laughs> that's just how we tend to live. And that's what we expect. God doesn't work like that. Sometimes he does. Sometimes it takes years. When we want an answer tomorrow, sometimes God will reveal it two years from now, three years from now. Wait. Be patient. Scripture is full of stories of leaders who are both patient, <laughs> they live in God's will, and even those same leaders like Moses who sometimes are patient and living, find God's will, and God comes through in miraculous, amazing ways, and sometimes they get out in front of God. So be patient. Do God's will. Live a life of purpose in that. And then love God and love others. So many times when we're trying to discern God's will, I think the answer is often right in front of us, and it's just to do what God's told us to. <laughs> like, ultimately, love. So we're in a 
relational conflict or we have tension or we don't know what to do in this moment, simply asking yourself what's the loving thing to do changes the dynamic entirely, right? Like, <laughs> so often we're thinking and we're asking in terms of like, how can I get my way? That's what we're thinking of. I want to do this and why can't I get everybody else to do what I want to do? And instead of asking like, how do I love in this? We know that's what Jesus told us to do. This is my command, love each other. So asking yourself, God, knowing what love looks like based on how you loved me, like how, what do I do here? And the answer is love. Love God, worship God. Love one another. Ask yourself those questions. And what we find is meaning, ultimately, you guys, is found in sacrifice. It shouldn't surprise us that as our culture dives more and more into the self through individualism, self-expression, self-awareness, self-actualization, we're losing meaning and purpose as a culture because the self is not big enough to contain that, to live for something bigger than us. And this is how we do it, by living in the Spirit of God. Experiencing joy requires sacrificing our idea, our, our idea of happiness, our definition of happiness, and the notion that happiness is found in my self-gratification of my own desires. To sacrifice that idea in order to experience true joy. Find our satisfaction in God. We have to sacrifice our time to be still in the presence of God. Doing God's will requires that we sacrifice our will and surrender that to God's will. Love, by definition, requires sacrifice. I love the definition from Dallas Willard that says an inner movement, love is an inner movement of the heart that causes us to act in the best interest of another. Love causes us to act in the best interest of another, not in our own interest, but for others. So meaning comes with sacrifice. And the story of Scripture, Jesus revealed this to be true, who's the perfect human. The apostles revealed this to be true. Saints throughout history have revealed this to be true. Saints that live among us have revealed this to be true. But everything in us resists it in our sinful nature. To sacrifice, to live by the Spirit of God. And in doing so, we find meaning and purpose in our day to day. So let's believe it, let's trust it, and let's live in it. Lord, God, we thank you for this meaning and purpose that you have given us that we can live in today for the rest of this day, that we can live in tomorrow if we're going to work, whatever our hand finds to do, we can do it all for the glory of God. And we can live a life full of accomplishment, achievement, achieving your will, not ours. A life of joy in you, in your spirit. A life of love that you have called us to, Jesus. It's so good living for you. Helps to trust it. Remind us of it when we miss it. When we're not seeing it. That you have called us to great purpose, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing one more song to our Savior together. And if you need prayer, again, Mindy's in the back. Please go receive prayer.